Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. New Vision, New Vision, covering the whole world. Welcome to the fourth episode of our Dubai Undercover Podcast. This is an investigative podcast series where a New Vision undercover journalist gets trafficked, sold in a Dubai slave market, ends up working as a slave, but manages to escape back to Uganda. And this is a narration of her story. Well, if you missed past episodes of this podcast, visit www.newvision.co.ug forward slash podcasts and listen. Or simply go to the media menu and you will find podcasts. This is the fourth episode. With Vision Group's permission and safety measures in place, I venture into being trafficked to Dubai. We expect to find our employers waiting for us at the airport, but instead, we are rounded up by a dreadlocked man who confiscates our passports before driving us into an apartment in town where Sarah lives. Once there, we are all imprisoned in a small room by Sarah, who tells us we now belong to her. She gives us two options for our freedom. To pay back her 4,000 dirhams, which is equivalent of about 4 million Uganda shillings she spent on her tickets and visa, or wait and be sold to work so that she can recover her money. All of us do not have money, so we brace for the worst, either slavery or sex work. When reality dawns on us, we wail, curse and pray until Sarah, the agent, storms into our prison room and scolds us for what she calls stupid drama. Shut up! You all belong to me now. I decide what you do and what you do not do, she says. Girls explode in her face and almost beat her up. They all talk at once, asking different questions at a go, and she cannot make out one to respond to. She gestures that we stop the noise and we calm down. Her tough stance also changes to a calmer, a more negotiating voice. She explains that she will get all of us work as maids and not sex workers and that we will all be paid 1 million shillings every month. After working for five months, we will pay her and redeem our passports. That also attracts a violent response. It is unfair to work for five months without pay, the girls yell. In despair, she offers us her phone to call our people to send us money for our freedom. Some girls call their families to communicate our predicament, while others call the people who connected them and insult them for defrauding them. Others call people who might know Dubai and can help. Sarah refuses to tell us the location of her home. All she wants is her money back. At this point, I want to call Vision Group to come to my rescue. But I'm afraid to blow my cover. When Sarah leaves, we start to discuss the way forward. Our plan is to accept to be sold as long as it is for work. Then we work for one month as we study the geography of the place and then escape to the streets and find our way to the Ugandan embassy in the United Arab Emirates. As we adjust to our sorry circumstances, we become friends and start sharing our plight. One girl says she was brought by an agent called Gloria who said she lived in Dubai. She was also helped by William at the airport she was told she would work as a teacher in Dubai for 1,200 dirhams, which is 1.2 million shillings per month. 
I discover that for some girls, it is not the first time they have traveled abroad for work. They have been to countries such as Oman, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia. Their stories about Arabs and work are scary. We hardly sleep that night. At about 5 a.m. in the morning, another girl is brought in. She is Ghanaian and in her early 20s. She was told she would work in a salon and that her job was ready. She carries a big suitcase of artificial hair pieces. We tell her about her plight and she bursts into tears. She wails non-stop, speaking words we do not understand. She refuses to eat food. She threatens a hunger strike until she gets her passport back. However, two days later, she starts to eat and is ready to work as a maid. The following day, we had black tea and carbs for breakfast. Carbs are similar to chapati, but harder. Unfortunately, carbs and macaroni fail to go well with me. I develop constipation and spend days without visiting the toilet. At about midday, Sarah calls us to individually record videos for her clients. She says she wants to sell us online. She puts her videos online and buyers pay for us. I am the second to be called. She gives me a veil to cover myself and asks me to repeat what she is saying. I am a good girl. I know how to cook, how to clean a house, how to take care of babies, and how to wash clothes and how to iron. I repeat her words as she records the video. Some girls refuse to take their pictures, saying their pictures were earlier taken, put online, and they were not bought. That day, Sarah sells two girls. They are told to pack their bags and go to work. We do not know if they are going to families or brothels to work as sex slaves. We cry and bid each other farewell and promise to pray for one another. That, for us, is a relief from overcrowding because from seven girls, we now remained five. On the same Thursday night, at about 11 p.m., another group of six Ugandans arrive. We were now 11 in that small room without ventilation. Although there was AC, we felt suffocated. The new girls are briefed about the situation and the cycle of tears and wailing starts all over again. One of them has an app on her computer which has internet. She creates a hotspot and we start using our phones and are able to locate where we are. I am able to brief my bosses at Vision Group and receive new guidelines. We agree that I wait longer to find out more. They also promise to start drafting an evacuation plan in case I get in trouble. Most of the girls are quarreling with someone who either brought them or came up with the idea of sending them to Dubai. It becomes so noisy that Sarah storms into the room with some members of her family to check what is happening. Sarah then demands we hand over our phones. A protest ensues, but Sarah stands her ground. She withdraws all phones except mine because I claim not to have it. I hide it in my panties. She searches me and even orders me to undress, but still she fails to find the phone. She again makes it clear that we can buy our freedom by refunding her money. One of the newcomers pleads with her, saying she left at home a six-month-old baby and asked to be allowed to live on humanitarian ground. But Sarah ignores her. To operate in this trade, one needs to be indifferent to the plight of others. 
I fear Sarah is the type who will easily sell us into prostitution to recover her money. Her money is all she cares about. The following day, being a Friday, meant it was a public holiday in Dubai. We start praying that we are bought soon. We have no option but to abide by her rules and instructions. We are allowed to shower without soap once a day. We have breakfast of black tea and more carbs. Lunch is macaroni and sometimes rice. Supper is hot dogs, soup and carbs. Sometimes we eat plain rice. The room is the size of an ordinary bathroom. In it are two mattresses which we lie on and sleep horizontally. Our heads on the mattresses and legs down on the carpet. You can never tell whether it is daytime or nighttime because we have no access to the outside world. There is always electricity and AC. We have no way of washing our clothes, so we share with some girls who carried many clothes. We use one toilet and soon the room starts to smell. However, we eventually get used to the smell. That Friday, we received two more girls who had been bought from Sarah earlier, but were rejected by their employers after one and two months of work, respectively. They return to await another turn. They narrate to us several things, how a typical Arab home looks like, the character of an Arab employer, the nature of work as a housemaid, and the most scary of all, the slave market. Others are what employers expect from maids, the lack of human rights in some Arab homes. Their experiences do not hit me as hard as the news about the slave market. While it is so unnerving and horrible for most girls, it gives me hope of a good story. I feel like I'm on the verge of exposing a big racket of an evil long forgotten in history. We are told of the inhumane treatment of people at the slave market. The story reminds me of the chicken in a cage at a marketplace, spending a full day waiting to be bought, and the feeling of relief after being let out of the cage, only to be slaughtered afterwards. As the number grows to nine, we start to fight for food. Sarah also reduces meals from two to only lunch and just a cab for dinner. Then we are told there is no breakfast. We are allowed into the kitchen to cook for ourselves some tea with a kettle, but no sugar. In the kitchen, we often bump into Sarah's family members who jeer at us or insult us for being parasites to their sister or mother. Now that hunger is tormenting us, we use the kitchen opportunity to scavenge on the family's leftover food. We offer to wash the family's utensils to get a chance to scrape off the rice and chicken, the leftover plates and dishes. On Monday, we are told to get ready for the office. Sarah calls it office, but those who have been there say it is a slave market. In spite of all the humiliating stories we have been told, we are all excited. She demands that we do not use makeup and that even later, when we get the jobs, we should desist from using makeup because Arab wives will become suspicious. They'll think we want to seduce their husbands. Sarah briefs us on how we have to behave at the office. She says we have to keep calm at her stall as we wait for buyers. She says Arabs prefer maids with experience, so those who can should claim they have worked before. She explained that those who have less than two years of working experience in Dubai will be earning 8,000 dirhams, which is about 800,000 shillings, and those with experience will earn 1,000 dirhams, about 1 million Uganda shillings. 
we get ready in long dresses and shawls covering our heads. We move with our bags just in case we get bored. We are told to squeeze into Sarah's car, but we cannot fit because the car is too small. So Sarah orders two of us to return to the room. I am one of the people who is not taken out of the nine girls. We return sobbing, loathing yet another day of imprisonment and hunger in Sarah's house. That day, Sarah sells four girls. Three return with their hands on their heads, narrating stories of a human market. Sarah was also in a foul mood, branding the returnees as damage. The next day, it's our turn to go to the market. This is the end of our fourth episode of the Dubai Undercover Podcast. What do you think will happen the following day? Find out in our fifth episode on Wednesday. If you missed past episodes of this podcast, please visit www.newvision.co.ug forward slash podcasts to listen and share with others. Stay safe and God bless you. You've been listening to the New Vision Podcast. New Vision.